Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we got a very special episode. Yes. Our first delve into Dimension 20. Here we are. I'm, it feels like home. It does, it does. I'm really excited to have, one, to, to talk about this, but two, just in general, to finally check out some D- Dimension 20 we've been meaning to for... Right. Since Calamity, basically, because we fell in love right. with Brennan. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're here to talk about The Ravening War, um, Matt's foray, foray, foray? Foray? Foray. Foray. Is that a word? Yeah. Foray. Yeah. Foray, okay. Into um, DMing over there. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the, you know, uh, some people might say, oh, you didn't check it out until Matt went over there. And, I mean, you're right. But, you know, now this is the, the dam is broken and... I'm already excited to watch Crown of Candy as soon as this uh, finishes. I may even start it as this is ongoing. Um, but anyway, I'm getting off track here. We're here to talk about the Ravening War today. And uh, super mm-hmm. excited, I guess, is the long and the short of it. Um, but before we dive in, uh, do we have any announcements to to cross off the list? Um, well, just that we are like full-blown D&D content right now, which is not unlike... If you if you've been a while, if you've been with us for a while, you know it's really business as usual. But especially lately, a lot of D and D content. Um, so if yeah. you are just checking out just this video, maybe you're just a D twenty fan. Um, we are also covering um, Critical Roles Campaign Three. Uh, that's a weekly video, and then also Worlds Beyond Number. Uh, the Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild One, uh, that audio ic- experience campaign um, from some of the D20 people. Um, we're covering that as well. So if you're checking out just this video, you might mosey on over to those as well. Yeah. So, yeah, any new D20 viewers, thank you for checking us out. And like I said, uh, we do plan on getting into more D20 campaigns uh, moving forward. Um, so maybe we'll see you again. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, good job. I think that's pretty much it. Um, otherwise, let, let's dive into this thing. And for those of you that are new to us, um, what we like to do for this long form content like this is start with a recap of the episode before we dive into our actual meaty discussion of it. Um, and what we like to do is cut that recap out of our podcast and host it separately for anybody that, you know, just needs a convenient way to catch up or just to refresh. So if you find yourself on our recap video and you're interested to hear our full discussion on this episode, it will be linked down in the description box below. Alrighty. So little, little disclaimer though. Yeah. We're, we, Will and I are jumping in pretty fresh on this campaign. Don't know. We haven't seen crown of candy. Um, so if we miss a reference <laughs> or, you know, just be, be gentle on us. Cause yeah. there was a lot of info and we were like, I was texting Will like, okay, so who is this person? And Will was like, I think it's this person, but <laughs> anyway, so have some grace for us. If nothing else, give us some, uh, a heads up in the, in the comments on connections. Maybe we're missing with that. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I was going to give a, I was going to give a very similar disclaimer that, um, Probably going to mispronounce some things, may even misspeak on some things. So yeah, feel free to correct us down below. But, um, and I know Blake just said this, but to reiterate, we have not seen Crown of Candy and we're going to do our best not to spoil that. 
I, I know some things will be just inevitably spoiled, um, but since it is a prequel, we're thinking maybe we can get away with some of it. Um, so for those of you in the comments um, discussing the episode, uh, please try to like mark any spoilers that may be uh, Crown of Candy knowledge, if you will. Um, thank you. Okay, so recap of episode one of The Ravening War, Seeds of Conflict. <clears throat> so this story takes place in the year 1188, um, roughly 20 years before the events of The Crown of Candy. And we pick up with a scene inside of a carriage headed to Commoda, um, from Vegetania to the south. And inside this carriage, we have three of our uh, player characters. Uh, first, we have Queen Amungo Epice Dupesh. Um, a mango. That was really good, <laughs> uh, by the way. Trying my best. <laughs> Uh, yeah. a mango person played by uh, Anjali Damani. <laughs> trying to feel like the best, like most sensitive way to like describe <laughs> a mango person. <laughs> that was great. So Thanks. continue though. Um, so she is the recently widowed queen of Vegetania and is currently dealing with the political ramifications and fallout of her husband having died before they produced an heir. So right. there's all this drama about who the next successor will be. Clearly she wants to continue to rain, but there's a lot of, you know, drama around this. Um, and they are headed to uh, Kamida for this celebration known as the Egamir Festival. And what's going to coincide with this is also like a memorial for her late king, her right. the late king. Right. Um, accompanying her, we have Bishop Raphael Charlock, a radish, I think, yeah, um, that's played right. by Brennan Lee Mulligan who is an advisor to the queen and um, practitioner of the Bolbian faith. And yeah. it seems as if he's tended to the spiritual needs of the royal family for many years. Um, also accompanying them is Karna Solara, who is a chili pepper played by Abria Iyengar. And she is seemingly a friend of the queen's, but also um, her apparent spy master, for lack of a better mm. word. And... Um, there's some small talk, and at one point the carriage um, comes to a stop, and one of the drivers, who is a carrot, comes and tells them, hey, buckle up because the storm is getting worse and the ride might get bumpy. And I bring this up because after this quick little interaction, the bishop remarks to Karna, um, hey, you need to like be careful. He saw what you look like in this form. Um, so, you know, you need to like either change forms, and we don't have the full context of what he means here. Maybe we'll talk more about this in mm -hmm. our discussion. But he tells her, like, hey, you need to be careful because he saw what you looked like. Um, Karna then telepathically uh, communicates with the queen and says, hey, did you tell him stuff? How does he know this stuff? And um, the queen's like, well, I didn't tell him anything. So a <clears throat> little bit of intrigue there. Next, we switch scenes over to another carriage. And this one is also headed to Kamina, but from the north. And inside we have Thane D'Alessandro Katzen of the Meatlands, played by Lou Wilson, um, along with his mother, who is an NPC, uh, Chiefess Cleva Katzen. Um, they are also headed to the Egamir Festival, and they are traveling with a number of escorts, one of which is Colin Provolone. A Me, Colin Provolone. <laughs> Colin Provolone. <laughs> MVP. <laughs> a Dairy Islander, played by Zach Oyama. Um, D'Alessandro and Colin didn't know each other before this. They seemingly just hired Colin for this mission. Uh, and Colin is keen to make a good impression. And they have a kind of awkward, if not endearing, buddy-buddy relationship <laughs> brewing. Um, also in this scene, we kind of get a feel for what type of people uh, the Meatlands people are, as the chief desk, who is 
you know, equivalent to a queen of that land, I would presume, is very uncomfortable in the formal attire and is not looking forward to this formal setting. She's a much more rugged um, person and a great warrior. We then fast travel, basically, the remaining two days of travel to Kamida. And the next scene is these carriages pulling into the city. Um, and we're back with uh, the Queen Amungo. Uh, and they're coming in. There's a massive building, a massive pyramid um, known as the Food Pyramid being constructed. And we're told it is the home to the new council site of Fructera, uh, which Kamida is in Fructera, which is this other land or city. Um, like I said, there's lots of carriages of all these nations arriving for the festival and, um, Lady Amago, they arrive, they get out. And the first thing Karna does, uh, calling back to the warning the Bishop gave her earlier is she subtly attacks this yam and yams are actually like equivalent of horses in this world. Uh, the carrot guard I mentioned earlier is, was riding on a yam. Um, so she subtly kind of attacks this yam so that it kind of falls over on top of the carrot guard that saw her and injures him pretty badly. Um, basically to the point of this carrot guard is going to have to leave their service for the rest of this um, festival season. Or, yeah. Cause he's injured and the Bishop actually runs over and makes sure that like, Oh, like make sure he's taken care of, like he's off duty. Um, so she kind of successfully gets that liability wiped away. Cause the carrot's gone. Yeah. And, and there's very, yeah, very there's, dark way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very dark. And there's also this really weird moment that happens in this scene when the bishop sees the injured carrot like bleeding. He kind of yeah. has this like freak out moment internally, being like blood, uh, viscera, and um, kind of quickly regains himself. But uh, a very strange moment that is not touched on in, anymore in this scene. Um, <clears throat> so, um, but that taken care of. Karna says, like, um, you know, I'm not going to the festival. I'm here for my own work. And she kind of takes off to do some uh, spy master duties and as right. actually masquerades as her former spy master mentor, uh, Jacques Coudete, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and she's going to go plant information and see what information she can pick up on from the usual spots. Okay, we then cut uh, to Delhi and his mother arriving, and uh, Delhi, uh, Delisandro, Delhi for short, asks Colin to introduce them. Uh, this is not Colin's strong suit, but he awkwardly does so, uh, to which <laughs> he is told, yeah, hey, introductions will happen in the festival. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, so we then kind of cut to okay. people entering the festival. Um, and as Lady Amungo enters, it is announced that she is a widow and they use her maiden name. Yeah. This is a unexpected embarrassment for her. And, um, you know, the bishop kind of walks up beside her and tries to, like, bolster her. But another man quickly walks up and introduces himself as Count Jacques Tomate. Uh, and he's a he's a pleaser because he's, like, at your service. Um, <clears throat> we then get another announcement that Queen Pamela Rocks and Princess Satrina Rocks of Candia um, have arrived. And their arrival is followed by Senator Fakasha and Senator Enzo Carbano and Senator Ariana Gemelli of the Ceresian Empire. And Enzo Carbano is Delhi's grandfather. So he goes over, they greet each other, both very happy to see one another. Um, but then Ariana, who is Enzo's daughter, takes Delhi aside for a private conversation. Um, next, we have the introductions of the Archbishop Camille Cauliflower and Bishop Elizabeth Brassica, which garners a lot of attention. 
Um, <clears throat> and it's now we cut back to Karna, who is out doing her spy master stuff, planting information. Um, and she's kind of putting out the information um, that she got from the bishop, which is that the vegetarians don't like any of the options for succession to the throne. And Abria rolls like a natural 20 on planting this mm-hmm. information. Um, in doing this, she kind of gets fed back two names during the gospel. Uh, during the gossip of po- the potential next king that people want. Um, the first is Count Belvedere Cabbage, who is um, seemingly a man of the system. He has been around like the royal courts and Senate for a, a number of years. And the other name is Count Jacques Tomate, who is more a man of the people, like a people's champion type of candidate. So we cut back to Amango and Tomate, who are having a conversation right now about her possibly coming to live back here in Fructera if she's sent away from the crown as she was originally from here. Um, he seems agreeable to this and would help set her up if this was the case. However, when the conversation turns to who the next monarch might be or should be, um, Lady Amongo makes it clear that she's like, oh, what do you mean? They're like, I'm the one in right. charge now. Yeah. Um, Why wouldn't so, it be me? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so it gets a little awkward and, um, the bishop privately takes her aside and is like, hey, you are the ruling monarch. Um, you are the queen. But he warns her that it might not be wise to say this aloud and garner enemies. Um, and they then kind of, as part of this conversation, talk about maybe her finding a new husband as it would be the best way to bolster her claim to the throne. And that right. her vows were till death do you part. So those are over. Right. Um Around this time, we have the Queen and Princess of Candia come over, and the Princess Citrina is a devout of the Bolbian faith and admires Bishop Rafaniel for this reason. So they meet and greet, and she says, you know, I'm trying to spread the Bolbian faith all throughout Candia. However, the Queen is not so um, amicable with the Bishop, as she's very cold and um, says that, you know what, there's many interpretations of the bulb, but there are many sects. Um, implying that she doesn't really agree with what the bishop's saying or really care for him. And as such, uh, Brennan casts detect thoughts to see like what she's thinking about him. Uh, but her mind is formidable, and really all he can get is that she's uh, very cold and has a deep mistrust of him. Now we cut to uh, Colin, who is um, with the chief desk because, you know, Delhi went away with um, Ariana, so they've just kind of secluded by themselves and are having a conversation and the chief desk likes Colin because he's not like stuck up like everyone else here. He's kind of just an every man. Um, but she wants to know what his intentions are with her son. Like she basically asks him like, look me in the eye and tell me that like, you're not going to stab him in the back, uh, which he does. Um, he, he looks her in the eye and says he, he won't. I mean, right. <laughs> um, and she says, you know, my son, his greatest weakness, but also his greatest strength is his like large heart. So like, I need, I need you to watch out for him for me and I will pay you to do this. Um, and he says, yeah, like, I mean, to be true to your son, this is the best gig I've had in a while. Like, absolutely. I'll look out for him. And she hands him a bunch of gold. Um, <clears throat> we cut back to Delhi now, who is having this private conversation with the Senator Ariana of the Cerisian empire. And they're talking about, and this is something we'll dissect in our discussion because there's a lot to unpack here. But they're talking about his time in the Cerisian lands um, as Delhi spent part of his youth living in that area and not the meat lands. Um, and this, this conversation is great. There is a huge, huge flirtatious vibe going on throughout this whole scene. 
Um, and she talks about how she wants to come and see the Meatlands, um, but it's kind of probing for information because she's asking, like, what's mm. the political state of the area? Like, how are the different clans getting along? And Deli says, you know, his mother has made great strides to end the conflict, um, the very same conflict that caused him to leave and come live with them in the Ceresian uh, lands in the first place. Uh, the very same conflict that ended the life of his mother, his other mother. Right. Um, but he says the Meatlands are making strides. However, it's hard to say if we'll ever be fully unified. And she says, well, I'm very interested to come and see them. Um, should it ever be unified and be safe for me to do so. Um, and she says she has faith in him to be the one to do that. And again, the sexual tension is palpable. Um, <laughs> so after this scene, the festival's kind of winding down and we cut back to Karna, who is kind of winding down with her spy master duties, uh, making her way back. And that's where I'll hand it off to you, my friend. Yeah. Great job, man. There was a lot of, uh, first time introductions and I think you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being with um, me. Yeah, no, great job. So for this sort of last hour of the episode, um, essentially what happens is everyone kind of returns to their own room before they intend to go to dinner. And Matt has this great um, series of moments with each person individually where as each person goes back to their individual room, there is a box there. There's a package, a gift. The first person who receives this is uh, our dear Colin Provolone, who is very suspicious and is, I think, even like hits it with his sword. Like, like, what is this? <laughs> and, um, and I, well, you might have to help me here, but essentially all of these messages are going to be very similar with some key differences with each person. And basically every letter opens up with something along the lines of, we know, um, and not necessarily like we know what you did, but like, we know, like we know about something. And essentially these letters are basically blackmailing each individual of the party saying, Hey, we know, but also like you're destined for great purpose. Um, and you know, there's a path that you're on that we'd like to help you with and essentially ending with come to the base of the food pyramid. Um, and you'll find out more, uh, specific to a couple of the characters, lady or queen Amango, she gets, um, a series of like a ledger that talks it, it apparently there's some kind of um shady business with money being owed or money having being spent um uh our chili pepper friend i can't think of her name karna uh, karna uh, yeah karna solara uh abria's character she gets and it was this i know she gets the ring of her former spy master but i think matt said his finger yeah the ring still around the severed finger of a character yeah so the um the severed finger of her former spy master with the ring on it and she takes the ring um thane delhi is going to get a like a negligee or something um uh, like an intimate piece of lingerie um uh, that we're not clear who it belongs to. Um, um, and well, I, I think the implication is it's from the senator he was talking to. Like, they know of that relationship between them. Well, I was going to say later he confesses to a Bria's character that he is in a relationship with someone that he's not supposed to be. So I didn't, I, I thought it was referencing that relationship. Like we know about this secret relationship, um, which maybe it's that person. I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, what did Colin and um, 
the bishop get though? <clears throat> I don't know. Colin got um uh let me just look at my notes. I I think it was the flag of um Right. I, I don't remember the exact details, but what it meant was they knew that there was this coup in the Dairy Islands where Colin is from. Yeah. Um, I want to say it was Lucas Fontina, but I'm not looking at it right now. Apparently, Lucas Fontina. Fontina was the name. I don't know the first name. Fontina led a coup in the Dairy Islands, and it's like a marred patch of history for that land. And seemingly, Colin may have had something to do with that, is the presumption. Yeah, and then Brennan's character. um, Brennan, the bishop, had some herbs that were from like a specific place on like the Southern coast or something, which in small doses is like a nice tea. Um, but in large doses can cause problems, which we're not yeah. like given specifics, but either yeah. lethal or, you know, some other ma- malady yeah. from it. Well, so um, essentially each character individually decides I'm going to go check this out. And they each individually head to the food pyramid, notably uh, Karna and the Bishop uh, cast invisibility on themselves and we have this moment where essentially at the base of the food pyramid, um, it's just silly saying this, um, <laughs> the the party meets together. And notably, uh, Colin, Queen Amongo, and Thane, they all, um, uh, Thane Deli, Delaroso, Delarosa, I can't give his full name. Um, Delisandro um, Katzen. Delisandro, yeah, thank you. Um, they meet, and they're pretty much like, you know, what's going on? Like, am I getting punked? Like, is Ashen coming out? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> and uh, it's around this time that also um, Karna is going to, there's a, there's a, there is a man who's wearing a, like a rusted mask, who's sort of like beckoning them to enter this, this pathway under the base of the pyramid. And she's basically going to do detect thoughts and is like, who are you? What are you doing? Uh, and the person basically looks in her direction, but ignores her and begins stepping down under the base of the pyramid. Uh, before they go down, um, the bishop is going to sort of see the confusion and is basically going to drop his invisibility and be like, uh, Lady, I'm going go. Like, what? Where have you been? Well, I heard one of the local places um, saw you walking unattended. Like, you can't be at her so late. Like, what's happening? And immediately, like, the entire table, like, turns on Brennan with insight checks. And um, such a great moment. moment. (laughs) Going back to Will's comment, I'm like, something weird happening. It's it's very clear there's a lot to Brennan's character that is very shady. And, in fact, in this moment, um, Matt calls for an insight check versus a a deception check or or, or preference of that or... um, uh, persuasion, uh, but it's very clearly a deception check because uh, they're like, "What are you? What are you doing here?" And because Brennan's character is acting like, you know, oh, I just was out of good faith, was coming to help Lady Amon go, and we get this amazing moment where um, they both. Uh, uh, um, it was a, a Bria. Lady, Lady Amon go, yeah, Lady Amon go though rolls really well, and then I think actually, did she roll a natural twenty two? I think so. I think Abria I think, and I think her, Anjali and then Brennan yeah. did too. Yeah. So so there's two natural 20s that Brennan has to roll against. He has advantage. He rolls, hits a natural 20 as well. And then he gets silvery barbed <laughs> by Abria's character. So he has to roll again and he still beats her. He rolls a 17, but he has a plus 10 to deception and gets a 27 and beats her 
her role, uh, which by this was just kind of a cool moment of just like DMing like the rule set, I guess. Um, and so there's just this nice moment of like people being like, I feel like I know I don't want to believe you, but I feel like I have, I guess I have to now because um, you beat me on the roll. So, um, but Britain's character is like, yeah, I just was here to help. Like I, I didn't get a box. Um, it's pretty much like what he's saying. Um, the group, all this to say, they go down underneath the food pyramid they open up into this large cavernous room where these figures step out on like these, um, not railways, like, uh, balconies surrounding them. Yeah. And they speak, they're, they're wearing masks. They're wearing these outfits, uh, disguising their identities. And they basically identify themselves as the fellowship of, of destiny's architects. Thank you. The FDA. And they basically, oh my gosh. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> So the Fellowship of Destiny's architects, and they basically explain that through the dawn, through th through the last, you know, foreseeable past, as kingdoms rose and fall fell, um, they were in the shadows, pulling strings, making things happen, and they basically say, "You have an opportunity to work for us. When the time is right, we'll call on you." And if you don't, then your secrets that we mentioned in the box you received, this will wash you away. This will bring great, great shame to you. It'll basically end, you know, whatever foreseeable future you have. Um, and there's a lot of the, the, the party's trying to figure out, like, do they know anyone in this group? And the most they can understand is that these individuals are from all six kingdoms. Um, so it's a diverse group. And then meanwhile, um, uh, Thane Deli and Colin are, uh, not quite in sync on this. Colin's kind of like, this is a little crazy. And Deli is like, this is kind of cool. Like they're talking about if we do what they say, they're going to help us have power. And there's going to be a lot of good things that come from this. Um, all this to say, they realize they really don't have much of a choice and they're like, okay, well just call us when you're ready for the most part. Um, the party makes their way out of the pyramid. Um, they know they, they need to head to their dinner, but before they do so, there's a couple other conversations that happen. Um, Delhi and the Bishop have a great conversation where, um, Lou's basically like, like, bro, I mean, like, I know you wouldn't have been here if you didn't get a box. And the Bishop's <laughs> like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think it's like a Bria's character, like Karna's like, like, how come they didn't ask? Like, what's this guy doing here? Like, you just <laughs> wandered in here. It's just another awesome moment of like the table turning on Brennan. And uh, but he he beats them on the roll again. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, OK, <laughs> fine. I, I guess I believe you. Um, but there is a great conversation still, though, between um, uh, Karna and Delhi on basically like, hey, let's get let's get it all out in the open. Like, what what do they know that I should know? And that's when Lou basically explains, I'm in a relationship that I'm not supposed to be, um, or, or that people don't know about, I guess. Um, what about you? And Karna's like, I mean, I pretty much already shared what is true about me. I, I'm the new spy master, and there's really no drama there. Um, though I think there is some drama there. She's not letting on. Um, all this to say, the party makes their way to the dinner. Um, at the dinner... Um, they have their meal and it's around this time that Jack Tomate, uh, basically stands up and gives this toast and basically says, um, it's my intention to claim the throne. And he explains like in this very kind of like semi-drunk, uh, noble-esque way of like, um, I am Fructaren, uh, Vegetania needs a leader, 
the queen was is for Terran, so it just makes sense. And only I know how to best like bring these kingdoms together. Um, and there's immediately like strife at the table. There are uh, nobles present who are like, we disagree. You have no claim to the throne. Um, Tomate also talks about like how it's written in like bulb, bulb, the bulb religion, like legally he's owed the, the, the throne. Um, not really totally sure there on the details, but all this to say, um, Matt basically gives an outro to the episode of what the next two years are like, um, skipping ahead two years, explaining how Tomate decides to take the kingdom by force, begins taking like border cities and infringing on Vegetania and how essentially the meatlands get involved, the dairy islands, um, Kandaria and, and everyone gets involved in this massive conflict that would become to, that would come to be known as the ravening war. Um, and that is where our episode ends as two years go by. So that was episode one of the ravening war. Um, yeah. Yeah, and y'all, um, don't forget, if you want to hear our full discussion, it'll be linked down in the description box below. Um, alrighty, man. Let's dive right into it. Uh, what'd you think? It was awesome, dude. Yeah. It was so good. Um, I'm drinking a smoothie, by the way, while we chat. Um, I think what I really liked about it, it, it kind of gave me more context to see, like, the origination of Worlds Beyond, because I've never watched a live action D and D session that's produced. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, with like the audio, the sound effects, right? Um, Matt had some um, effects put on his voice, and I didn't dislike any of it. it. It just I was just like, oh wow, this is different. I'm not. I've only seen CR, um, but it was really good. Um, yeah. the, the cast had amazing energy straight from the get go. Um, really good. Um, there's just so many great moments. They played off each other so well. I love Zakoyama's character. He's so good. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but, um, everyone, everyone did a great job and I, I just had a great time. I just thought, man, this was really fun. Um, sad that there's only five more episodes now. <laughs> Wait, are there only six? There's only six. Dang, only I didn't know episodes. that. I didn't know that. Cause yeah. I, cause not to keep saying this, but he, Blake and I haven't seen crown of candy, but I did look into it. I was like, this was a couple of weeks ago thinking, all right, could I, could I watch this before ravening war starts? And I saw that it was like 20 episodes. So I, I was hoping we were going to get like 20 of this, but only six, yeah. huh? Okay. Yeah. Um, what about you? What'd you think? Yeah. I, I loved it as well. You know, um, I, I don't want to just reiterate everything you said, but I pretty much feel the same way. Um, I, I had seen content with every member here except Zach. So, of course, I love all the usual suspects. And I love Zach, too. He's He was so funny. Um, it, it's got me just so curious, like, what other characters he's played. Because this is such, like, this is just such a character, Colin. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, I you know, I just want to see his other work now to see. Because yeah. um, he seems like, like a hilarious guy. I have seen, like, random clips from Dimension 20 on YouTube. And I've seen a couple of scenes from him where he's doing like kind of the same deadpan, <laughs> you know, just, it's just great. I yeah. mean, it's, he brings like so much fun energy to the table. I don't know what any of his characters are like, but, 
um, having seen a couple of that and then having seen him on the Game Changer show as well, yeah. I kind of knew what to expect, but pretty much anytime the camera was on him, I was just like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> he was go. so funny. He was so good at, um, and everyone is, but um, he was so good at like physically kind of acting like what his character was doing just with like the deadpan deliveries and stuff. It was great. Um, but yeah, um, I really liked it. You know, again, this is our first um, foray into dimension 20. I've seen random clips as well, but this was the first time I'd really seen like that, that set come to life. And it's so cool how like the, the scenes changed in that. Is it, I guess mm -hmm. it's like a dome that they're sitting in. Um, but yeah, I thought that was fantastic. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's just fun to, um, especially see Brennan's kind of like joy and getting to see like getting to play in his own world. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that was just a fun aspect. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoying it so far. Sad. We only have five episodes. Sad to no, find that out. That I, sorry <laughs> that I had to be the one you're just like dejected the rest of the conversation. But no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Cause honestly I was like, man, this is, this is a conversation you and I had in a, in a different episode recently, but I was like, man, Matt's, doing so much like mm -hmm. it, it would be kind of crazy if it was 20 plus episodes so six makes more sense right. yeah um, <clears throat> so yeah i i don't there's a lot to kind of talk about um a, a lot of it is just parsing yeah this world and figuring out the characters having you know have us not having seen crown of candy but yeah so just to like get on the same page make sure i'm tracking well this what was the name cardoon what was the name of the the, the whole like, world? world yeah um it's spelled like calorie uh i think calorum yeah yeah they say it like I that like calorum yeah i think it's something like that yeah yeah and then um six yeah. kingdoms um candaria the dairy islands the meatlands um fructera say fructera vegetania and Ceresia. Ceresia. What is what is Ceresia? It's like the pasta place. Ah, I think okay. it's like grains. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. <clears throat> okay. And these people are all coming to this festival. The husband's died. There's no heir. The king has died. And this is essentially going to be the story of this sort of like this a power a, vacuum. Yeah. Right. Um, Which. One, I don't know what the Egamir festival is. Did you pick up on like kind of what the point? I mean, obviously it's a festival that unites all the kingdoms, but like I didn't really understand. This it was for Saint yeah. Egamir, so I guess it's just an important historical figure. Yeah, and I actually almost took it more as like people were really there for the the um excuse me. The um memorial for the for the king in the sense of like um the, the power plays like the shadowy yeah. politics um for sure but i guess thinking about the groups at the table i mean they're all one group right but um lou lou and zach are together um and then there is um anjali uh abria and who am i forgetting brennan brennan thank you Okay, so here's my question. Um, Abria's spymaster, where, I mean, this is just kind of where my mind goes originally because this was the biggest question mark. When she's, like, doing her shadowy dealings, why wasn't she promoting the queen as 
yeah like getting her name around because that's what i was expecting to happen and so the the first there was a line like the first time she's going out to do that she makes abria made some comment about like i love the queen but this information about her being in like a rough spot is very valuable she made some line about that which i think is very is telling to some extent because she would rap she's she's valuing her own power and influence over that of her friend. And I mean, they do seem to be friends, but obviously you don't know like the full extent of that relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me that says when it comes down to brass tacks, she's looking out for number one more so than she's looking out to help her friend. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at is um, Zach and Co- Zach and Colin, Colin and Deli seem like they're going to be maybe the best of friends um, <laughs> in this short story. Um, I'm very curious about Karna and Amon Go's relationship, Me too. but especially Brennan. Brennan has played the impre- the, the cleanest um, analogous, analogous character I can think of is... Um, oh, I can't think of his name, but the priest from Game of Thrones, not priest, but like the lore keeper who was always, always acted. Um, sorry, spoilers guys, but you're not missing anything. Just don't watch it. Um, who always acted like slow and weak, but was actually like a spry. He was banging regularly. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually kind of the impression I got was like this, you know, he's like, Oh, I'm the Bishop of you know, whatever the bulb, I guess. Um, but something very deceitful is there. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's some going on a hundred percent point being those three. I'm actually ending this episode most concerned about of like, there seems to be something amiss between the three of them. Yeah. Um, this isn't the right word, but but we don't know the dynamics of their relationship. There's obviously, uh, it's, it's obviously convoluted. There's power dynamics at play, you know. I think clearly they're both attached to the queen, and it does seem like they're friendly. But it definitely seems like there's also like there's benefit to benefits to being attached to the queen, and that's a big part of why they're there almost. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> go ahead. I was just I. I was not. I was kind of pivoting. So if you had more to say on this specifically, which no, no, I just. It's just something I'm going to be watching for. I think. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm wondering if will there be a double cross of some kind? Because um, Amon Go seems really low on allies, and she even made the the comment of like, "Oh, I trust the bishop immediately." Like when everyone else is doing the insight checks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, frankly, I'm I'm a bit worried about Amon Go. Um, She's got one of the biggest position. marks or targets targets, targets on her back, back for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. I don't know if this is like a good way to do it, but we've already kind of started doing it. What if we just like went character by character and then, I mean, maybe that works out, but maybe we jump places. Um, so, uh, Karna, since we had already kind of started that one, um, one, the dynamic we already talked about of where her like allegiances truly lie. I'm, I'm interested in. Another thing I'm interested in is this apparent secrecy with her abilities. Like she, her artwork and 
and everything shows her as a green pepper. So is that her true form or is that just the like the glamoured form that we're being introduced to her as? Because we know she can change appearances. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like a big to do of like the guard having seen her was like right. a big to do. And to the point where she she physically previously him. injured him. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's cause she's the spy master. Like maybe it's just, you know, no one can know that identity or something. Um, but there's another moment later, um, that's not just related to her shape changing ability. Um, it's when she drops her invisibility at the end when they're all meeting up to go into the food pyramid. Um, Brennan's character, Rafaniel, I think is the only one that clocks, or I think Amon Go does as well, but Amon Go knows Karna. Uh, Brennan clocks her drop the invisibility and he uh, telepathically communicates to her, which she didn't she didn't know that he could do uh, and says like, hey, again, if these people like see that you're magic, there's nothing I can do to help you, which is just interesting because like I don't know what the implications of that are. Is it that like magic in general is kind of like don't do magic here or is it something specific to her? Like, you know, there's a big question mark where I'm interested about what's going on there. It feels specific to her. And Brennan feels uh, his character rather feels much more spy mastery than <laughs> than even Abria does. Um, not that she doesn't, but there, there's so much intrigue around his character that like when he made that comment, I was definitely like parsing like, okay, is there there's some kind of history here between the two of these people? Um, whether they've talked about out of character or not, I don't know, but, um, yeah, I was picking up on that too. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to find out more there. And then the other thing with the Bria is, or with Karna rather is the, the blackmail, which was her was the finger. Um, so she pretty much explicitly says this, um, but the implication being that she killed her mentor and, and took over. Right. So, and, you know, at, at the end when they're, like uh, Blake mentioned in the recap, you know, D'Alessandro kind of tells what his blackmail is and and Karna does as well. Very open about it. Um, so I'm just, so clearly Amon Go knew that. And it wasn't like a, oh, yeah. I, I'm assuming Jacques would have been her or at least the king's spy master previously. Yeah. Uh, so there was no bad blood of like, oh, you're the one that killed him. Um, yeah. So I, I I do feel like there has to be more to it. Yeah, like there has to be there has to be something like another shoe to drop or something that we don't know. Um, especially be that flippant of our casual, I guess, about yeah. just like, yeah, so. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, that's trying to think but yeah just a lot of questions i mean there's a lot of question marks everywhere and maybe some of them general disclaimer i'm sure well i know there were a lot of easter eggs just based on the reactions of the cast when certain names were said or certain things happened which i'm very curious about um which i assume they're not spoilery per se other than like i don't know like i'm sure People that have seen Crown of Candy, you, you, I guess you know what the outcome of this war is, at least in terms of like who becomes king, I would assume. 
Um, anyway, I, what I'm getting at is like, I want to know what the Easter eggs are, but not if they're like spoilers, I guess. Yeah. There was like a introduction of one of the characters, like a, maybe a queen or someone's mom or someone that the whole cast, the table was like, oh. yeah. and I was like, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> so, um, okay. Um, maybe we just move along the table, I guess. Yeah. Colin or Zakiyama's character, Colin yeah. Provolone would be next. Um, but there to say other than this interesting um, coup of some kind, disgrace coup that maybe he, not to sound rude, was stupid enough to be involved in in some way. Um, I wouldn't say he's a mastermind of it. Um, but out looking for, you know, a better stroke of luck. Um, he says something like that to um, Deli's mom of, yeah, I've never been a very lucky person. Um, or like, this is the best, I feel like this is like the best position I've been in in a long time. Um, yeah. I don't so. know. Like, do you think it's, a, it's at all an act? Interesting. Some kind of bit or just yeah, like, a ruse. Um, like a, like a shield kind of, or like a, a mask is, I don't know. I, I, that's one of these, it's one of these situations where I'd, I'd have to have like, seen them play like yeah like having seen abria play it's easier for me to read her than it is zach or like you know we talk a lot about in critical role travis's character chetney um just knowing travis and being like yeah there's something else there yeah um i i have no idea with his characters um i don't know what he typically does and so yeah that's a great question though I'm not I'm not saying it is, but I'm definitely or at least not like I think that's it could be how he act like it could be how he is to some extent, but maybe it's exaggerated, you know, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like that blackmail wouldn't be as punchy if it if he wasn't like. Involved, you know what I'm saying? Like more so than just like uh, I happenstance, yeah. I, I happen to like be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, so I think there's more to him, you know, he like. And it's it's played off all this jokes and stuff, but throughout the episode, you know, when they ask him to like do the introduction or ask him to do this, he's like, I'm I'm more of a warrior, like I'm a tactical guy. Yeah. Um so But but even that, I don't know. It's yeah, how, it's, it's hard to I parse. Mean, I love the thing where he's like, you know, ask me what I would do if it was an ambush. <laughs> and Lou's like, All right, what would you do? And he's like, Yeah, I would. But even his strategy is like basically relying on the cavalry around them. Yeah, I would, you know, fan out following them. Um, and I think Matt even had like one of the commanders or whatever be like, oh, that's a good plan or something. <laughs> yeah. But so I don't even know. Which do we know what level these people are, by the way? We do. Um, they flashed character sheets at different points. Right. Um, I think they're level five. Yeah, uh, okay. but I think Almond Go is only level four, which is interesting. Um. I have it written in my notes, but it's all at different places. But I happen to be looking at Colin right now. And so Colin, for example, is two levels in Rogue, three levels in Fighter. Yeah, that's the timestamp I was just pulling to because they showed it later <clears> in the episode. <throat> mm -hmm. oh. um, but like Amon Go is four level Rogue. And that's it. Yeah, okay. Which is interesting that she's a Rogue. I didn't, wouldn't have. I wouldn't have guessed that she was a rogue before that was revealed. Yeah. Um, but it, 
to Colin. I just I think there's 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 more there. I think there's something under the surface. To what level, to what extent, I don't know. Like I'm not saying he's completely different and this entire personality is a is a yeah gimmick. I'm not saying that, but I just think there's more under the surface there. Um yeah. cuz and I mean just in terms of like meta D&D, uh, you know, PCs are are strong, you know. So I think like, you know, he's He's not as much of a dunce as, as he leads on. Um, yeah. That's fair. But yeah, not much more to dissect other than the so, flag. Yeah. Lady Amango then. Um, literally a mango. Um, didn't know <laughs> she didn't, was level four. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> oh, you didn't? <laughs> no. That's funny. I got you, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, didn't know she was level four, but level four rogue. Um, widowed queen, um, from Fructera. Uh, I think this is the most, um, I, I don't know much about crown of candy and I don't want it spoiled either, but I know there is a, um, a, a little bit of a bloodbath in that campaign. Mm-hmm. I know some, some PCs do die. Um, so I don't know if, if there'll be like a similar trend or something. I know Brennan tweeted that Matt was phenomenal, but basically like he had no idea how bloodthirsty Matt was. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I immediately worry for um and go. This, this seems like the most, um, it's kind of like, you know, funny enough, whenever my wife and I watch a movie and like, there's like the plot armor, you know, back when game of Thrones was big. I would be like, this is so dumb. If this was Game of Thrones, they'd be dead. They'd be dead. They would definitely be dead. Um, and I just wonder how cutthroat the this political landscape's going to be if we're going to see a character. I mean, it's only six episodes, so it would be a bit strange, I guess, to lose someone and introduce someone else. Um, but maybe not. I don't know, actually. Um, but I'm very curious, So, and I'm worried about her. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, me too. Like like we said, it seems like she has the biggest target on her back of anybody, at least at this point. Um, so yeah, and I mean, I won't get into spoilers, but this is kind of a parallel to Calamity in a way, what they're doing here. And obviously we know what happened in that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some mm-hmm. deaths. Um, yeah. It almost seems like there has to be, especially given what you said about the, the original crown of candy, this, you know, you would assume it's kind of in the same vein, not with like scripted deaths or anything, but just in terms of the levels of bloodshed. Um, Cause yeah, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be game of Thrones, right? Like it's food pyramid game of Thrones is how, like, I don't know if that's like the official way they've described it, but that's how I've heard other people describe it to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and with her, <clears throat> my question marks are, this this debt ledger that that was her blackmail box this like bloodstained yeah. debt right so what's interesting to me the interesting question to me there is is this all post her husband dying and it's just you know she got into this trouble trying to hold it all together or did this maybe even predate her husband dying and one could it have had something to do with his death and two like what was she what kind of trouble was she getting into if it predates the husband dying? I feel like for me, the implication is it's somehow connected to the husband's death. The fact that it's bloodstained, um, 
it's not just a little series of ledgers. It's like, it's like almost like here are the debts that are owed and there's an implication of violence from it. Um, and the most closely associated person I can think of who may have experienced violence would be her, her, her husband, you know, the former King. Um, so I don't know if the implication is that something happened to that individual, but I guess it could go either way. It could be something that she's done on the side that would delegitimize her um, and her claim to the throne, or it is a debt that she has now inherited from her husband yeah. um, that would also similar, similarly delegitimize her. Um, I don't know enough about like the world, you know, bank and vegetania to really know like, you know, how money works and like what this even looks like or why there would even be debts or anything like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think it also positions this um, FDA as they describe themselves in very honest terms or very uh, uh, positively, I guess, like we're doing for the good of all. But at the end of the day, essentially, they are blackmailing these individuals, including Amon Go specifically, um, which we don't necessarily have to get into that yet because we still have to talk about a couple of the characters. But um, all this to say, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what the implication is of the money, but we're on the same page though, in terms of like possibilities. Yeah. And not that this name means anything to you and I, but it might've meant something to crown of candy people. But the quote was like, and your debts quake beneath the crumbling ground of the Pinoir house. So maybe the poor, and I might be saying that wrong, the, but maybe the Pinoir house is like a bank or maybe it's, I don't know. Um, reminds me of wine. So. Yeah, me too. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with grapes or wine people. Um, but yeah, definitely interesting. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else on her before we move on. I guess for the sake of time, let's move on to uh, okay. lose character. Um, also, anytime lose in D&D, I love it, by the way. <laughs> This character is always so great. Yeah, he is great. Um, yeah, this character who seems um, formidable, um, and yet his mother warns Colin about his big heart. Um, so I also, similar to, to Amon Go, I wonder how much naivety you, like we think about that conversation that you mentioned. I, I didn't even pick up on this, by the way with the um, woman who was flirting with him, I just took it as like, you know, it's another horny episode. <laughs> but you made a great point, her kind of poking for information. Um, I, I take Lou's character as another example of sort of like a, um, not in danger, but their naivety probably isn't doing them any favors uh, if it is like Game of Thrones. Yeah, it definitely felt like she was using him. That's the implication I got. Um, yeah, and I agree with you now. <laughs> At the time, I was just like, yeah. oh, that's so, so cute. So sweet. <laughs> so. Which, there's some stuff to unpack here. First of all, Delisandro Katzen, Katz Deli. Nice touch, Lou. Um, nice. <clears throat> but so, Deli has a Meatlands parent and a Ceresian parent. We know that much. And I don't think it's ever told which is which, but okay. my assumption is that the Ceresian parent was his biological mother. 
and probably his Meatland's parent was was his dad. It could be the other way, I suppose, but just given like the the social dynamics of, you know, him originally living in the Meatlands and stuff, I feel like that would be because like that's anyway. It, it doesn't really it was, matter. I thought it was like he had two moms was how I took it. Like <clears throat> the queen, the chief, the chiefess being one mom, and then the passed away one being the other one. Hmm. Is that not, or is he like adopted be. by? The chiefess. Yeah, I mean, it could be either way. I had, I was just assuming it was the way I was talking about, but it could totally. I didn't even think about that. It could totally be that too. Yeah, I don't know. But in any case, there was one Cerisian parent, one Meatlands parent, and right. due to the conflict in the Meatlands, the Cerisian parent died, and right. because of that, they sent Delhi off, I guess, to protect him, and he went and lived lived with the Cerisian people. So he's kind of more learned i would say than the typical meatlands folk and he kind of has this like dual upbringing that's you know positioned him to be very special i guess i would mm. say um so enzo is his grandfather who is this old senator and yeah. ariana the girl he was heavily flirting with called enzo her father so to me that makes her hit makes her delhi's aunt which makes the flirting really weird <laughs> but this if this is game of thrones-esque i mean it is par for the course and it could also maybe be why the relationship is being used as blackmail because maybe that's no. i don't know maybe maybe there's some element of that being like taboo yeah. attached to it um, yeah. but i kept trying to parse that i was like so is this not his aunt like why are they flirting like this <laughs> um but, so I, I don't really know i either it is the incestuous and it's just part of the landscape here or there's something i'm not piecing together and it's and it's not the case which i guess at least could theoretically be possible with this mother that died like maybe they're you know maybe there's not blood for whatever reason but um my money right now is that it is you know family relations um yeah uh, no no bueno indeed um (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, I guess we don't really have the pieces to really make any, you know, actual good discussion happen yeah. here. It's all just conjecture. But um, it, it does seem if the if the chiefess isn't an actual like if she did adopt him, let's say she definitely cares for him. It's clear um, right. and doesn't trust these people. There was like I don't remember the exact moment, but there was like an interesting dynamic when. Uh, Delhi was like greeting his grandfather and you know the chief just like walked up and just kind of like gave a nod but you know there wasn't like really any love lost between them it, it felt like um so I'm, I'm honestly wondering with um senator ariana's interest in the political landscape of the meatlands what what strings are being pulled here did was there any chance that uh, Delhi's mother dying was orchestrated to get Delhi there and like kind of have this not spy because yeah. he's not a spy but just like influence that young prince yeah. of the meatlands as it were um, I don't know it's, it's just very interesting especially because we know now in this conflict like Sarija is a big power player and let me look up the uh I know we're kind of getting away from Delhi, but just so I don't forget this. Um, whoever I think, and I'll I'll be specific if I can find it in my notes here. 
Uh, but whoever was leading Ceresia, like, died. And Senator Fakasha claims dominance yeah. as the new Imperator. Yeah. And withdraws from the southern conflict and instead assaults the Meatlands. So there's just a lot of interesting dynamics here. Yeah. And that's also what gets the Daria Islands involved, I think. I Yes. Um, this galvanizes the Daria Islands to take up support for the Meatlands, and then Ceresia then invades them too. Um, and Candia yeah. does not get involved in the defense of the Daria Islands, which further fractures the ruling houses of Candia, mm. establishing the traitor house of Jawbreaker. Yes, I love that detail. <laughs> yeah. That got I think that got a reaction too. So I'm wondering if the House of Jawbreaker was in Crown of Candy or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um so yeah, Lou of a lot of interest a lot of interesting backstory there, but love the character. I love that he's just like this ambitious young strapping lad that was, you know, was excited that the FDA contacted him essentially. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, the last character, Brennan's character, Bishop, Bishop Raphael, uh, don't know the um, last name. Raphael Charlock, I think. Raphael, that's right, not Raphael. Raphael Charlock. Um, very interesting yeah. character. We touched on this, but there, there's there's definitely like depths beneath the surface there of something going on. Like he's a plotter, you know? Yeah. Like you mentioned the the facade like the character from game of thrones but i i also think he's probably kind of like the spider or like little finger almost you know yeah, like he's got these sure. deep machinations and we know that he that that herb implication was that he poisoned someone you yeah know, be that like sure. a lethal poison or like amon go brought up actually like she said something about like could that poison have prevented me from bearing an heir um thought that was also an interesting possibility Mm -hmm. um but clearly he did something so whose team is he on right assuming his own team but like is there a greater mm -hmm. you know alliance he has with another nation or something even um and what was up with the little ptsd trauma episode yeah <laughs> you know where he sees like the yeah. crushed victim and has like a spaz out <clears throat> i don't know what to make of that i really have no idea like do you remember what um levels he is. he is like what classes he 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 is let me see i've got it written down but i don't i don't know if i can find it in my notes quickly or not i don't think so um no they don't list his his wasn't listed well it's not listed on the introduction sheet for him um it's a good It's got to be somewhere else in the episode that I haven't okay. seen. Okay. Level one rogue, level four bard. Mm. So many rogues, dude. I know. Everyone's a rogue. Which I guess kind of makes sense with like backstabby uh, nature. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's he's the, the biggest question mark for every for everyone. And it's also just the there's obviously like this added layer is that he is the creator of this world. So, you know, like he kind of has the the meta knowledge if you will to make the most interesting character um right so i yeah i don't know he there was um there was a little 20 minute kind of like after the episode 
episode on dropout. I don't know if you saw it or not, no. um, but kind of it's like I think it's filmed like immediately after the session ended. So like it's just kind of their immediate reactions and thoughts. Um, but Brennan made some comment about like, you know, it's interesting being on on this side of the table in a story like this because it's like this political intrigue and he, he referenced the moment with the queen of Candia who kind of was like giving him the cold shoulder, um, being like, you know, I really wanted to like pop off and D and D usually just like pop off and roll initiative. But he's like, in this type of story, you like can't. And he's like, my character has been waiting like 50 years for this moment. Um, so I thought that was interesting that like his character, like seemingly has like this deep seated, yeah. like web that like, he's been trying to pull off. Um, but yeah, just very interesting. And it makes me wonder if one, he had something to do with the king dying. And and I just don't I don't know what his end game is. Yeah, I think we're gonna see. I mean, since it's only six episodes, we're gonna see very quickly, I think, by this next episode. Cause I think it's also interesting how close he keeps it to the chest of everyone knows they got a box, but he's insistent that he did not. Yeah. Like, I think it's just interesting that he he doesn't even want people to know there even exists a secret. Like, he is everything he says he is. Um, and even the existence of that is is a threat to him. So um, I think that's a really interesting detail about his character. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they, they commented on that in this little after show, too, being like, I guess I got to play by the dice. But it's like, we all know you're in on this. You know, it's, it's like then <laughs> uh, an interesting thing that Matt brought up um, is that in this two year time jump, they have not yet been contacted by the FDA. Um, yeah, OK. Which I thought was interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think it was Lou, but it doesn't really matter who it was, was like, so then when we do get contacted by the FDA again and we all meet up and you're there, <laughs> what's going to be your story <laughs> this time? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of the FDA, um, I mentioned it earlier. I, I'm very suspicious of them. I mean, I guess you would be anyone who shows up in the means that they did. Um, they could end up being exactly as they describe themselves. Like it's for the good of all. Um, but I also, I have a hard time trusting them. I'm curious if they're even in crown of candy, by the way, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I guess this will be kind of the central, like moving the story point of like, this is what you need to do next. But it's interesting <clears throat> because the war itself seems like enough. So I'm, I'm very curious what Matt has cooked up with this. Yeah. So a couple things is one, I don't think they were like called the FDA, but there was, um, when Matt, like when they, he agreed to do this and they were prepping for it, he said they put together like this massive lore document for him to like study and acquaint himself with in order to DM this. Um, and so he, he obviously, you know, mined that for the story he created. Um, and there was some line about like th this Illuminati group, um, they did exist. So he didn't like Matt didn't make that up for this world. Um, I don't think they were in Crown of Candy, at least not prominently, though, based on how they were talking about it. Um, okay. uh, and he also said that this was like the cleanest 
way to get these characters together, like as a party, because like you have all these people from different like nations and stuff. Why would they, why would they party up and like be an adventuring yes. party for this, this show? And right. he said, this kind of brings them together very quickly and gives them a reason to like become I a guess party. It's better than everybody just getting like a cocktail at the local, local tavern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Which I wouldn't have judged harshly if that was the case, but. Um, I thought I, oh, there's something else, but it just, it, it left me. Um, but yeah, the, uh, to what you were saying, yeah, very interested in kind of what's going on with this Illuminati group. Um, you know, they claim to have the good of the, the world at, at heart, but you know, it's especially in this type of world that, that, um, Calorum seems to be, it's hard not to be cynical that like, there's not still someone influencing them you know for for their own ends um, well, think about it they gave someone a finger in a box like yeah i mean they're, like they're definitely note. not just pure virtuous like they start yeah, wars you know to, yeah. <clears throat> to right. get what they want to get done but it, it, they seem like an ends justify the means type of type of group but yeah i i would be surprised if there wasn't some influence on them beyond just, you know, this democratic mm -hmm. right. anonymous group that wants the best for the world. Um, yeah. But, and I wonder, I mean, they're, since they're basically blackmailing the party, <clears throat> I wonder if the party, like right now they're like, okay, great. I just wonder if we're going to, if there's going to be like a rubbing point of someone in the group opting out, like mm -hmm. caring more about protecting their secret than I guess not believing that, in this group um like my money's on brennan for example like totally screwing the group over <laughs> in some way but it, it seems like any one of them could and would screw the group over i mean at least you know maybe we'll see how the dynamics grow but right now like if i don't you know none of these people are worth anything to each other i mean i guess there's an argument to be made for the three vegetarian people since they had pre-established relationships but yeah, I mean, I definitely expect some backstabbing. And I'm wondering, is there even like a... Could any of them be a member of the FDA themselves? Oh, like, like a... Uh, yeah. Like a, you know, Ra's kind of like implementing yeah. himself. Like like Karna, maybe. Like since she is a spy master and she was pretty quick to come clean with what her secret was. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like shipping this theory, but just kind of letting this flow as I'm thinking about it right now, but I think it would be interesting if, or, or maybe, you know, Rafaniel since he's got something up his sleeve, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think this next episode is going to, episode is going to go fast though, in the sense of, um, I guess it drops tomorrow actually. Right. Yeah. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night yeah. Yeah. I Which mean... I should have said this at the beginning. Um, I don't okay. I don't know that I that I can do this, but I want to do a watch party for it. So if if you made it this far in the video and that interests you, join the Discord. Um, there will be more info there. Um, so yeah, we might watch it tomorrow night as a mm. as a group. Um, sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying like I think I didn't realize this was a setup episode. Like when he skipped ahead two years, I just thought I think it's going to be really interesting getting them all back together 
Um, I I think I think the story is going to move move along pretty quickly, um, yeah, I and I think it'll right. be more lore, similar to Calamity, adored Calamity, but um, I think it was like episode two, maybe three, where it was like so much lore that I was like rewinding and. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see the airtime of these episodes, by the way. True. Um, but yeah, I'm interested for sure. But yeah, funny that you mentioned that. Um, the not expecting the the time jump. Um, the players didn't know that was happening either. Um, yeah, and that was fun seeing their reaction yeah. to that as well. <clears throat> okay, I couldn't remember if that happened in the after show or not. So, um, but yeah, I which, think which. Here's the here's here's thing I wonder, though. I mean, I, I think Matt was saying, like, we are jumping ahead two years. But it would be interesting, though, if he gave that, but then brought us still back to, like, you already know kind of the meta of how the story, not ends, but, like, where does it go? But there's still, like, key points along the way. I think it's pretty complicated in, like, a six-episode arc to do something like that. So my money's on them it's now been two years. Hey, everybody, it's been so long, but I would be curious to see if something I knew why me flashback scenes or something. Maybe. I don't Is know. Yeah. 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 Maybe. I'm not sure. That would be cool. I also just think it's cool to, especially in such a short six episode campaign to have a time jump. Um, I just think that's like kind of a fun, just dynamic. And they, they even talked about this a little bit and, and I think it was the after show, but it might've been the main episode. Um, about how like, you know, and you don't play out your backstory, but you like, you write out your backstory, you kind of have this character development and then you start playing and a time jump is kind of like a mini backstory you get to like develop your character in. And it's kind of cool to like, I don't know, it would just be cool to see like where the characters were that we met them in episode one to what they've already become due to this two year time jump of being in war. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm, excited to see and i wonder if there could even be another time jump because apparently this war takes place over many years yeah i guess it's been two years yeah i'd be curious i could definitely see that for sure um i just want to know if the soldier's okay if he made it back the carrot one yeah (laughs) he made it back okay he's the big bad he saw that (laughs) karna did that to him (laughs) dude if it was brennan as the dm i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) um but yeah um what else to discuss about this app um just looking at my notes really quick one one thought that i had is that i'm trying to parse this world they're all fruits and vegetables yet they all still eat fruits and vegetables (laughs) so i'm kind of i'm kind of confused like is there do we just we hand wave this away or is there like something weird going on where they're like cannibalistic talk about (laughs) (laughs) okay um yeah Good question, though. So I was curious about that. Um, Then the one member, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, but I think it was Amongo that got a look at one of the members of the FDA and she saw, like, she could, she looked through their clothes due to her, like, spell ring or something. Mm. And she saw a jar, um, which to me, I think one other NPC earlier was described this way. And I don't think it's the same person, but. so like like a jar of like jam or like chutney or something um so i just i'm wondering if if that i don't think it was literally the character chutney um which was her like handmaiden yeah uh, right i feel like she would have 
recognized yeah. in that case. Um, but there'd be some Mrs. Doubtfire going on. Yeah. That was the case. <laughs> um, I don't really have so. more to say on it, but just thought that was interesting. And I'm interested to see maybe that running into that character, maybe at some point and having like a moment of recognition or something. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then, uh, I thought I had one other thing written down, but now I can't find it. Oh, just, um, Jacques Tomate seems like a really interesting character that is, you know, kind of sucking up the people pleaser seemingly to everybody. But, you know, he's got this this claim that he's going for and started a war over it. And, uh, oh, clearly, clearly a douche. I mean, he has the whole conversation about it. So who do you guys back knowing that he's going to? Yeah, he was. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, But the there's a conversation with. Uh, Amongo and the bishop about like finding a husband and she specifically mentions Tomate is like yeah. re- reach out to him it'll bolster his claim and help me out so I'm interested to see where that goes if that's going to be if that's going to be what she does try and I wonder if he'll be open to that or if he thinks his claim is strong enough without her baggage right yeah that's interesting I don't know I guess we'll see. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right. uh, let us know what you guys think. Your theories. And again, as not to be a broken record, but in as spoiler free way as possible, your best guesses from where this goes and really what's going on happening. Yeah. And let us know, please, if we like mixed anything up or got anything wrong in terms of yeah. the lore that we laid down, because I'm sure I did, but. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to pick up on having not uh, yeah. watched COC. Yeah, but I'm excited. Yeah. I'm already like super invested in this world. Yeah, it was really good D and D. It was really fun for sure. Um, okay, cool. All right. Well, All yeah. Right. Episode two is tomorrow night. Possibly a Discord watch party again. So if you're interested, join the Discord. There will be a link in the description box below. Uh, and if you're listening to this on podcast platforms, you know, we're just the Pixelists on YouTube, so you can go find the Discord link there. I don't think I could share it on the podcast, um, but it, it won't be too hard to find. Um, thumbnail, unless you got anything else. Sounds good, brother. All right. I was thinking um, I was thinking either just like, you know, generic like joy or like excitement for, you know, the start of the new story. Or, and maybe I'm thinking this because we just did it with Critical Role, like a, like a lore bomb, like us trying to keep up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, Let's which do the lore bomb. Lore bomb? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a pen, so I'm just going to do my best fake pen impression. <laughs> you like, can I, is it in? Are we good with it? Okay. I can't hear you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, a little bit higher. Sorry. Uh, okay. I was right. muted. How's I was this? like, a little bit higher. <laughs> <laughs> How's this? Um, a little, a good? little this way. Other way, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> I look a little confused, I think. <laughs> but it fits. You know, we're kind of lost. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and we're excited for episode two. And again, if you were a first-time watcher from... The Dimension 20 Tribe. Thank you guys for checking us out, and we hope you enjoy your stay. Bye, y'all. See ya.